Okay. <laughs> My name is David Kesterson, and uh, I'm one of the elders here at River Oaks, and today we will be talking about the helmet of salvation. Uh, so, as we start on this, we'll be looking at the, it's the first part of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. And it reads, Take the helmet of salvation. As I thought about this, I was reminded of a story from history where there was a great warrior who was well known for his strength and fighting ability. This man was such an incredible fighting machine that most people thought he was indestructible. It may have been his height that helped intimidate many opponents. Or possibly it was his massive armor and helmet, along with the large weapons that he wielded that brought terror into his enemies. Yet this massive warrior went to battle against a young man that did not wear physical armor or a physical helmet, but only carried a sling and a stone. And it was at this time that this giant met his match. Yes, I'm talking about David and Goliath. David had been given armor, Saul's armor, but he said that it did not fit him. He had not tested it, and so he did not want to go into battle with it. So he took it off and went into battle with a spiritual helmet on that reminded him that he came to battle in the name of the Lord of hosts, we are told in 1 Samuel 17. This spiritual helmet strengthened David to go into this battle by reminding him of who he belonged to and that the Lord would ultimately win the battle. This is an awesome story from history. And we see God defeats David's enemy. Though we may ask, how does the helmet of salvation protect us today as we are being attacked by our enemy, the evil one? Over the last few weeks, we have discussed the pieces of the armor that will protect us, even let us advance in battle. Though today, we will talk about the piece of armor that protects our knowledge of the truth of our salvation and how this will bring us strength. So again, our text is Ephesians 6, 17a, but I'm going to read from 6:10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness." against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, 
Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let us pray. Father, as we come to you this morning, I pray, oh Father, that you would remind us who we are in you, that you would strengthen us through your word, that you would guide us and protect us. I pray that your Holy Spirit will give us understanding, will give us the power to know who we are in Christ as we go into every battle. It's in your name, Christ Jesus. Amen. So I think at this point, we should take the time to consider the situation that Paul is in as he writes this letter from prison to the Ephesians. Paul knows from his own experience that the Christian life is full of battles. And there are times when the attack comes in the form of thoughts of helplessness or defeat, or sometimes maybe even we fear that we have been abandoned by God. For the Ephesians, these thoughts may have come from the hostility that came from the Jewish community in Ephesus and from the loss of jobs, maybe the loss of homes, All of this in conjunction with living in a culture that had a massive temple and a cult that worshipped the goddess Diana. Therefore, Paul encouraging the Ephesian Christians to put on the whole armor of God would be for their protection against the schemes of the devil. And in particular, the helmet will serve to protect against the temptation to doubt the truths of salvation. Paul knows that when the truths of salvation are locked in the Christian's brain by God's helmet, they will be able to withstand any temptation to doubt. So kind of the idea of what we're looking at today with the helmet of salvation is that God's helmet of salvation reminds believers of the truths of their salvation. So our, the sermon will be kind of focused on the fact that believers are at war right now. And so we need God's helmet or His protection of our knowledge of the truths that remind us of our salvation. As a question that I would like to answer throughout this sermon is, 
How does the helmet of salvation protect us when we are being attacked? How many of us go through spiritual attacks daily? How many of us, it seems like, we can't get out of being attacked spiritually? So I ask you, consider the importance of this question is how does the helmet of salvation protect us as we are being attacked? As we examine our text this morning, we will look at three truths about our salvation that God protects with His helmet that we put on in battle. The first truth will be the helmet of salvation reminds us who we are. The second truth will be, this helmet of salvation reminds us that we are soldiers in a united army. And the third truth will be, this helmet of salvation reminds us that Christ has won the war. Let's go ahead and look at our first truth. This helmet of salvation reminds us who we are. The first truth that God's helmet protects in our memory is extremely important for the Christian because without a firm understanding of who we are, we cannot stand in battle. Also, Paul appears to be reaching back to the first part of this letter where he explains who the Ephesians are in Christ. Paul in chapter 1 tells the Ephesians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him, in love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Christ Jesus. It's Ephesians 1, 3-5. I believe Paul starts this letter with this truth so that the believers in Ephesus would be encouraged in who they are and living in a culture that is hostile to them. As they understood who they were, they would be encouraged. Also, Paul tells the Ephesians that in Christ, they have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of their trespasses. It's Ephesians 1.7. This means that they are identified as forgiven sinners, not guilty before God. This truth is what would have strengthened these believers as they fought spiritual battles in the midst of physical hardship. Remembering that they were forgiven sinners would also give these believers confidence in battle that the present suffering will not last forever because one day they would be with God their Father and their Lord Jesus Christ. Additionally, a truth that the Ephesians needed to remember is that they were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit 
who is the guarantee of their inheritance. It's Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. This truth would have bolstered up the certainty of their identity because in battle they would know that nothing will be able to separate them from the love of God in Christ Jesus their Lord. That's Romans 8.39. Remembering this truth would give these Ephesian believers a boldness in battle. So as we think about the helmet of salvation, these Ephesian Christians would lock in their memory who they are in Christ. And this would have them, this would give them encouragement, confidence, and boldness in spiritual battles. In a similar way, Gideon from the book of Judges, chapter 6 through 8, was a man called by God to lead a battle against Midian. <clears throat> Gideon, in the beginning of this historical story, did not have much confidence in himself. Yet, when God convinced him he would be with him in battle, he decided to do what God had called him to. So Gideon raised an army of about 32,000 men. But the Lord said that was too many. And so the Lord dwindled the army down to only 300 men. Now Gideon was not sure that this was a good idea. Who wants to go against an army with innumerable horses uh, with 300 men? But Gideon was following the Lord's lead. Then the Lord let Gideon hear or overhear that the Lord had put fear in the hearts of the Midianites. It was at this point that Gideon realized and declared, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of the Midianites into your hands. That's in Judges 7. So Gideon and his 300 men go into battle. It's interesting, the weapons they take. The Lord has been very specific about what weapons they should take. Uh, so uh, the Lord has told them to take trumpets, empty jars, and torches. Um, I, I personally have not been in war, uh, but I'm thinking I would not have taken uh, trumpets, empty jars, and torches. That's just my idea. Uh, but what Gideon did realize when the Lord had told him this was that the Lord was on his side. And so Gideon being encouraged by the Lord became confident and bold. And as a result of Gideon's obedience and trust in the Lord, the Lord gave him victory over the Midianite army. We see that Gideon when he became encouraged, confident, and bold, it was when he remembered who he was in the Lord. I want to ask us, does this help us understand the importance of knowing who we are as we go into battle? Paul tells us that we must put on the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Paul does not say that this is only a possibility, but he says, put on the whole armor of God now. Because he knows that the war is happening now. And now is the time to establish who you are in the Lord. That way, the knowledge that you have of who you are can be protected by God's helmet of salvation. In a similar way, this truth can be seen in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 6 through 9, where Paul explains that the... Thessalonians should not be sleeping, but to keep awake. This means be prepared. He goes on to tell them to have put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I think we should notice that Paul says, having put on. I think this implies that we already have the knowledge of who we are. It is so important that we have the knowledge of who we are. So when we put on the helmet of truth, it will lock those helmets into us so that we will remember in the midst of battles who we are. And Paul, even in this section, adds the hope of salvation to the helmet. Because this is what reminds us of our hope. It is a sure hope. A hope in our salvation through Jesus Christ. Do you try to figure out who you are while you're in the battle? I believe that the correct order for putting on the helmet of salvation is to know who you are in Christ before the battle. If this is the case, then when you put on the helmet of salvation, when you put on the helmet of the salvation of the Lord, the Lord will bring those truths back to your memory so you can stand strong in the midst of the battle. This will mean that we as Christians must take time to search the scriptures for all the statements that tell us who we are in Christ. These will be things like, I am a child of God. I am forgiven. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I am loved by God. And so on and so on. There are many uh, statements that tell us who we are in Christ. This way, when you get in battle and take the helmet of salvation and put it on, it will lock those biblical truths into your brain and you will be encouraged, confident, and bold. So after you are reminded of who you are, you will find that this helmet of salvation reminds us that we are soldiers in a united army. 
Paul has spent much time throughout Ephesians talking about unity. And in the section we have been studying for the last few weeks, he is specifically talking about the armor of God. Therefore, those that wear armor are soldiers. And soldiers fight in an army or a military. Also, I think we should notice that Paul is writing to a church, not an individual. And as Art pointed out last week, how the shield of faith works together for the best defense even becomes an offense. Because of this, I believe that the helmet of salvation reminds us that all of those that can put on this helmet are fighting in God's united army. Also, Paul spends substantial time in chapter 2 explaining to the Gentile Christians that they are one with the Jewish Christians. For example, Paul says that now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. It's in Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. Also in chapter 4, Paul explains the importance of the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, which will protect all Christians from being tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Therefore, I believe Paul would have seen another aspect of the helmet being protection for all Christians by them speaking truths that are protected by the helmet of salvation to each other when they reveal that they are under spiritual attacks. In a similar way, when I was in the military, I was in the army, I was in the 3rd Infantry Division, and on my first day in Stuttgart, Germany, I attended a mandatory class of the history of the 3rd Infantry Division. It was there that I learned that 3rd Infantry Division had been activated at a camp at Camp Green in North Carolina in 1917. And they entered war, World War I on May 31st, 1918. Now while they were there, 3rd Infantry Division kind of served all over the place. But towards the end of World War I, they, their position became the Marne River. So they go to the Marne River to stop the last, or the... Uh, the offensive of the Germans to come into France. Third ID on this position stayed. They fought. There were two other uh, divisions on either side of them. The, fierce, the battle became so fierce that the other two divisions pulled out. They retreated and they left Third Infantry Division there by themselves. 3rd Infantry 
division ultimately had more casualties in World War I than any other division in the United States Army. Also, 3rd ID never left the Marne River. Throughout the entire battle, they stayed and they fought. And it is because of them that the Germans were never able to come into France during World War I. Later, the French gave a nickname to the 3rd Infantry Division. They became known as the Rock of the Marne. This nickname has stayed with them for all these years today. They are still the Rock of the Marne. <clears throat> Practically, the, mark of, the Rock of the Marne played out in a greeting to officers. Uh, maybe it would play out to a discouraged soldier. You would remind them who they are. They are part of the Rock of the Marne. This would encourage them, often helped many uh, kind of regain their, their stature of where they were, of who they are, and what army they fought with. But as I became, as I got out of the military, now I'm a veteran, uh, and still when I see someone who has the patch that you see um, on behind us, I will greet them with the Rock of the Marne. And often they greet back with Rock of the Marne, brother. This is This is because, excuse me, this is because we both served in this incredible division that would not surrender, would not give up. Third ID is known for its fighting in World War II, Korea, Iraq, Kuwait. They still are fighting for us. And I still feel camaraderie with them. But I ask you, how much more does the helmet of salvation bring this camaraderie, which brings encouragement and strength? And for a brother or sister that may be down, maybe under spiritual attack, how much more will this lift them up, remind them who they are? We must know that we, who we are and what army we serve in. And Paul tells the Ephesian leaders that they are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ in Ephesians 4.12. What better way to build believers than to learn biblical truths that you can share with them when they are under spiritual attack. Just as we said, rock of the marn to each other. You can remind each other who you are in Christ. Also in 1 Thessalonians 5.10, Paul is about to give his final instructions to the church. And he says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. It is interesting that he says this shortly after he mentions a helmet, the hope of salvation. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.8. With this being the case, Paul sees a connection between the helmet and caring for one another with the truths 
that the helmet protects. As we think about sharing biblical truth with each other, when we recognize someone under spiritual attack, let us not forget that this may come while you are under spiritual attack. This is where our helmet of salvation comes into play. We can remember the biblical truths that we have learned when, when they are protected by the helmet. <clears throat> and then we can share them even if we are under attack. This is what soldiers in a united army do to protect each other. But this helmet does not only remind us that we are united. This helmet of salvation reminds us that Christ has won the war. This helmet of salvation would have reminded the Ephesians of what Paul had written earlier in this letter, that God had seated Jesus at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Ephesians 1, 20 and 21. This would have informed them that Jesus had won the war against Satan, though he had not destroyed him yet. But this truth that Jesus is the victor would have, the, would have strengthened the Ephesians and given them courage in their spiritual battles because they knew that since Jesus could not be defeated, then neither could they as they are one in Christ. In Albert Pertes' book, Divine Lord and Savior, he tells of a believer who was not well educated, but who had a deep assurance of his salvation. Everyone called him Old Pete. One day, while talking with Dr. Pieter, he said, If you should take me, uh, excuse me, he said, If God should take me to the very mouth of hell and say to me, in you go, Pete. Here's where you belong. I would say to him, That's true, Lord. I do belong there. But if you make me go to hell, your dear son, Jesus Christ, must go with me. He and I are now one, and we cannot be separated anymore. In a similar way, this helmet of salvation should always remind us of the truth that we are one with the one who brought us salvation. And he has won the war already. Although we still fight battles, for now we know that the day will come when the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelation 20.10 And this truth will, do, will strengthen and encourage us 
as we are in spiritual battles now. Though we fight and struggle, sometimes we cannot lose the war because it has been won by Jesus Christ, our Savior. As we conclude, remember, believers, you are at war with Satan. Thus, we need God's helmet or His protection of our knowledge of the truth that reminds us of our salvation. Taking the helmet of salvation is essential for every Christian as it will protect biblical truths that you have learned by reading and studying the Bible. This means that spending time and reading the Bible should be a priority for every Christian. If you want protection in spiritual battles, you must know truths so they can be locked in by the helmet of salvation. This war is real. It is not in our imagination. It is not just hard life situations, but it is an attack from the devil trying to stop Christians from sharing biblical truths with each other. And I believe with those who are lost. This morning we have focused on how the helmet of salvation is a benefit for the believer. And I would say that that is the focus of the text. Yet, Christians should be sharing these truths they have learned to know who they are with non-Christians around you. Because the non-Christian has no real hope without Christ. Also, this may be where you find spiritual attacks and that you will draw closer to Christ, believer. This may be just the place where you grow because you have put on your helmet of salvation. So let me encourage each of you today to share with someone you know who is not a believer that the person apart from Christ is a sinner and the penalty of their sin is an eternity in hell. And we don't want that for anyone. However, if they will turn from their sin in repentance and turn to Christ Jesus as their Savior, He will forgive them. And they will be able to put on this helmet of salvation that will lock in the biblical truths we have talked about today. Also, I want you to think about the person that you share these truths with, you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with, if they are saved, they may be your fellow soldier who one day shares these truths that you need to hear with you. Take time to consider what it means to lock in truth in our heads so, we go, so when we go into battle, we can put on the helmet of salvation and be protected by our Lord and Savior. Let us pray. Father God, as we come to you this morning, I pray that, Lord, your word would make us consider how much we know who we are in you.
I pray that you, through your word, would remind us of who we are as we read and study. I pray that your Holy Spirit will guide us in these truths, will strengthen us as we go into battle, and that, Lord, as we put on the helmet of salvation, that we would remember that our salvation is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen.